You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Great pass ahead for Bedard. Coming in alone and shot. He scores! Got her. Bedard goes upstairs. A beauty in Canada. Leads 3-1. That one-timer off, loose puck in front, they score! Connor Bernard on the doorstep, he's got another one. It's a gift, and Canada leads 4-1. The Bernard lets a shot go, he scores! Connor Bernard completes the hat trick, and bring on the hats, Halifax. Fans in Halifax, they are going to leave the building happy here tonight. An 11-2 final, Canada in the win column. It is Connor Bedard's world, and we're all just living in it. That was Gareth McDonald on the call from the game last night. Canada with a victory over Germany in their second game at the World Junior Championships. I'm Mike DiStefano. We've got Luca Celebre in for Julia Tesheri today here on Leafs Lunch. Julia is going to join us, though, in a couple of minutes. She's out in Halifax right now. She got to witness that magnificent game with her own two eyes. I mean... Luca, what more can you say about Carl Bedard? There were sky-high expectations on this kid, and he seems to be exceeding them somehow. Yeah, it's insane. Just the skill, the shot, the the hands. Like He is everything as advertised and, and even more, if you can even believe that. I, I don't even know like a, a comparable for him. Like I've been trying to think of it all morning, and... I just don't know. I, I think he's just Connor Bedard. Like, it, it, there's no one that I've seen in recent memory that just sticks out as a guy that can compare to him. It's it's true because he kind of has a little bit of everything. He's like a concoction of what any hockey person, what any general manager would want in a player. It's like he's got a heavy shot, like like Matthews. He's got vision and passing abilities like a Mitch Marner. Uh, yesterday, Odog was like, he's a combination of Gretzky and Mario Lemieux. Like, it's insane, <laughs> the company that his name is being shared with. I mean, this the expectations on this kid, like I said, were, were so high coming into it. And uh, he just seems to be breaking down any barriers that anyone wants to put in front of him. I mean, the guy had a hat trick last night, seven points, which tied a Canada record um, for points in one game, three goals, four assists. Uh, you know, help help Dylan Gunther get himself uh, a hat trick last night. It was funny on the broadcast. He kept talking about how um, you know this kid scored a hat trick, and no one's talking about him. Like he just he was an afterthought in the game because of what Connor Bedard was able to do in this one. It's insane. And like they're just watching the highlights here in studio, and it's it's the same goal three times. It's Bedard making just an unbelievable kind of no look cross ice pass to Gunther. He just knows where he is. Yeah. Puck is right on his stick in the sweet spot every single time, and it's in the back of the net. It's just copy and paste. Well, speaking of Dylan Gunther, I mean, his NHL club, the Arizona Coyotes, is going to be hosting the Leafs tonight. And. I mean, they're going to be in the Bedard Bull sweepstakes, and you got to be licking your lips if you're the Coyotes thinking, oh, my God, what if we somehow are able to win this freaking um, lottery and end up with this matchup and this duo for the next 12 to 15 years of Connor Bedard and Dylan Genther? Like, that would be insane if those two can link up at the NHL level as well, the way that they've been doing here uh, in Halifax. Yeah, it'd be insane. I, I think I was looking at the standings this morning, though, and 
they got some they got some work to do if they want to better themselves yeah. for Bedard because Chicago is doing a spot on job when it comes to losing <laughs> and they've got like a few games in hand on a lot of teams. They still haven't reached double digit wins. Pretty sure they're the only team in the league, maybe other than Columbus. I can pull that up pretty quickly though. But yeah, Anaheim probably has. I mean, is Anaheim still sitting at like one regulation win? Like, <laughs> like that team is just uh, on. They're legitimately. I don't know how bad they are. They are sitting so at 10 regulation, or maybe not no, 10, no, no. 10 wins in total. I don't know how many regulation look, wins, but they got double yeah. digits at least. If you go look, look at the ROW, oh, the, that, that's the, the regulation win stats, like legitimately, I, I, last I checked was about a week and a half ago. I'll check really quickly Here, um, check if, you know, if, my, if my computer wants to work like it's supposed <laughs> to, obviously. But they legitimately had one a couple of weeks ago. They How's have three. Possible? They have three. Only three wins in regulation oh to the, uh, the Anaheim Ducks. So, you know, they're, they're currently 24 points. But you're right, Chicago is is definitely making a strong case um, in the Bedard sweepstakes. They only have one win in their last nine. They've got 20 points. Arizona, though, 29 points, 12, 16, and 5. Uh, they're going to host the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight. Um, and, I mean... I think that tonight's going to be an interesting matchup because it's the first time that the Maple Leafs will be entering Mullet Arena, Luca. The <laughs> famed and historic Mullet Arena in Tempe, Arizona. And it's so funny because, like, you make it to the show, right? And you're thinking to yourself, all right, I no longer have to play in these four, five, six thousand person barns. We're now sitting at. Fifteen to twenty-five thousand, you know, fans in the stands cheering loud, and all of a sudden you go and you're in Tempe, Arizona, Mullet Arena, on the campus of Arizona State University, and uh, you're back to a five-thousand-seat barn. Um, it's 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 going to be interesting to see the atmosphere in this game, though. Uh, that's that's what I'm curious to to kind of watch and listen for is the atmosphere. I was watching the Avs game the other night because they were in Arizona and they they lost and, they, and they, yeah they beat the Avs though. oh yeah beat them six yeah. three it was uh it was a, a surprising game despite all the injuries for the Avs but that's that's another conversation regardless Arizona played really well I I was saying before we we came on air we were talking and I was I'm kind of on of the opinion that like. I don't know what to think of Arizona's arena because I, I feel like it's one that you just have to go to and experience for yourself before you um, say that either it's amazing or that you're you're like this is a joke. Like they're playing in five thousand seat arena like that. How can that be like good in any way? But um, but I think you just need to experience it before you make a definitive. Yeah, I mean. You can and you can't. Like, at the end of the day, it is kind of embarrassing that this is the National <laughs> Hockey League. And not only is it only 5,000 fans, but I was listening to Sheldon Keefe yesterday talk about it, too. Apparently, they have to still, like, walk outside to get from their dressing room to the ice. So, like, there's still a little bit of some, I, I, I don't know, like, Bush League type of stuff going on within that arena. Like, it's just not NHL-type stuff. You know what I mean? Like, you expect... For there to be some level of uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Professionalism. Professionalism, maybe, and it's just I don't know. Or standard. Reason, standard. I think standard was the some sort of standard here, and it just doesn't feel like Arizona's reaching those standards. But you're right. I guess this is all coming from secondhand. I haven't been 
down to Mullet Arena, um, and this will be the first time they've got to witness one. I, I haven't seen, I haven't watched an Arizona home game. Shocker! I don't, you know, spend my free time making sure I zero in whenever the Yotes are playing at home. That's not must see television for myself, if I'm being completely honest with you, Luca. Um, but you know, tonight they'll be taking on the Maple Leafs, uh, who coming off a win over the St. Louis Blues. And they'll be getting some reinforcements. Sounds like Morgan Riley expected to make his return to the ice tonight. A little bit ahead of schedule. I think it was just last week when we were told that it's likely two to three weeks still before we see Mo. And all of a sudden must have got some sort of healing stone for Christmas because his knee's good to go. And it seems like he's going to play tonight barring any type of unforeseen circumstances. Incredible news for the Leafs. And it's... It's one of those things where they're playing so well defensively despite all of the injuries that this move, and obviously we don't think of Morgan Riley as this defensive defenseman, but what he adds in the transition game and on the power play as well where they it feels like they just haven't been able to find something that sticks. Like Sandine has been tried there. They've gone with the five forwards, which it looks like they still might do and as yeah, they ease Riley back. It's kind of kind of curious no mm-hmm. that they're still gonna roll the five man unit i mean i guess it's to your point this could be them just trying to ease riley into it and not try and exude him and, and play him 22 minutes to 25 they're like okay if we can at least scale back some power play minutes and only get him like 18 or so just to to ease him into uh into the game perhaps a couple here they'll still roll the five man unit but i i fully expected him to return to that power play i thought that was something that you know, Morgan Riley is that's what they were missing him on mostly was his play on on the power play. So for him not to be there was a little bit surprising in yesterday's practice. But yeah, we'll see how long that lasts. I, I would imagine that Mo will get there at some point. Uh, so that's tonight. Leafs and Yotes, a little bit of a later one, 9 p.m. Puck drop down at Mullet Arena. Uh, let's head out to Halifax, though. Our good friend. And normal, uh, our our full time host of this show, uh, Julia Tashery. How's it going, Julia? I love how you backpedaled as soon as you said normal. Like you're like, oh, yeah. that doesn't work for her. Just no, I was like, I don't, I don't know where where to go you. with that. But <laughs> we miss you too. Things are great. Uh, I you, FOMO. What do you have FOMO about? I like when you guys are hosting the show. I always tune in. I'm like, oh, I want to text you 24 seven while the show is on. But I know that's like not the best thing to do. But I have FOMO. I'm glad you guys are. I'm glad the Leafs won in overtime. Um, sorry that they're slapped with so many fines yesterday, but um, I think they're great. Well, all right. So let's start there, okay? Because we haven't talked about this yet, and I, I know that this is something that you would have wanted to start the show <laughs> with. So let's start this hit. We'll clearly get to what happened last night. You were in the building. Yeah for Canada when they slapped around Germany a little bit. Uh, but we'll stick with the Leafs for now. Uh, clearly, <laughs> um, you know, the Leafs getting hit with a $100,000 fine for those who, who aren't aware of what happened. The Toronto Maple Leafs left for St. Louis. They had the game on the 27th, and they left shortly after 10 p.m. on the 26th, and that was against the CBA. The collective bargaining agreement s- strictly states that the team cannot have any team-related activities from the 24th till the 26th, um, and because they flew out on the 26th, literally like less than two hours ahead of when they were able to, they get a hundred thousand dollar fine. Uh, what 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 was your reaction to that whole thing, Julia? It's so dumb. I I like things that make. I hate things that don't make sense. Like, do they want the least 
if they would have held the plane on the runway for 90 minutes, they wouldn't have gotten that fine. So what <laughs> did the league want them to do? Just waste their time? If the players weren't cool with it, it would have been a totally different scenario, right? Then then it would have been uh, it would have made more sense to me. But if the players were cool with it, it it makes zero sense. But I imagine that the Leafs are not crying about it. I saw Rachel Dory tweet yesterday something like all the teams that traveled um, on the 27th lost and the Leafs left a little early. So I think that they'll take they'll take that fine any day of the week. Yeah, I, I think so. They ended up with the win. I mean, for the Maple Leafs, $100,000 is uh, Yeah, the Sheldon the one I thought was more egregious, but that's not – like, that one was crazier to me because whatever. If it's if it's $100,000, they probably knew that they were going to get fined like that. They know what the rule is. They were probably just willing to eat it. The Sheldon one I found a little bit crazy. Sure, he was losing it a little on the ref, but the high stick was insane. Yeah, that one was, was brutal. There's the high stick. There was the interference call on – Jordy Ben, or uh, yeah, Jordy Ben. There, there was a couple of terrible calls yeah. there. The officiating wasn't uh, wasn't. It was not the best. Uh, our friend Louis Deming would say um, <laughs> the other night. Uh, in conversation with Julia Tashery, uh co-host with me typically here on Leafs Lunch, but currently out in Halifax for the World Junior Championships. I mean, uh, an eleven-two victory, just an absolute shellacking. Canada gave Germany last night. You were in the building. What was the atmosphere like? Oh, it was electric, A.B. It, and it's been electric every single game. Like, I can't say enough about Halifax and the fans here. It was just, like, Luca, you, you were, oh, no, you weren't in St. John. Wait, were you a little bit briefly? But the, the hockey fans out here are just so good. Like, the prime example of it is it was uh, a game two days ago. It was Latvia and Czechia, I believe. And Czechia was winning, like, 9 nothing or something. Three minutes left in the third, guys, and the entire crowd is full. Nobody's left and packed up their things to leave. Everybody has a ruckus, let's go Austria chant going. It was just the nicest thing in the world. And obviously that translates to Canada games. Every time Canada scores, I feel like the roof is going to blow off the building. Hey, I didn't realize their their goal song, AB, is a sea shanty. It's, it's kind of up your alley. The class yeah. get going, the building gets rowdy. Um it's electric. And every time the name Connor Bedard is said, there's a pop. Like, even if they just announce his name in the starting lineup, there's a huge pop in the building. There's, there's a crazy amount of, like, well, on the East Coast, there's a lot of Crosby jerseys, a lot of Brad Marchand jerseys, a lot of Nate McKinnon jerseys. So many Connor Bedard jerseys. I can't, wow. I, I can't even fathom how many that they've probably sold out here since this tournament started. Dard's like the biggest baby face in hockey right now. Just, so just getting that pop. I love it. I love MVP it. Yeah. <laughs> MVP chance yesterday. MVP chance. Crazy. I That's asked insane. him after the game. I was like, "Have you ever had like a crazy?" I, I saw a Masters tweet during the game that he had a couple five or five five point games in the WHL. So I asked him. I was like, "You ever have like a crazy minor hockey game where you put up fifteen or something like that?" And he very humbly said, mm, not 15, but maybe 12. <laughs> like, that's, <laughs> close enough, eh? that's classic. That's amazing right there. I can't even imagine what he would have been like playing minor hockey against them. That would have been tough. Are you are you tired of the goal song? Or you Do you like it? Do you hate it? Because after 11 goals, playing it 11 times, like it's it's different in a, maybe a 5-2 game, but an 11-2 game, was there any fatigue of the song or are you still into it? You know, just based on the way the first game went and uh, how surprising the result against Czechia was, and I guess I should give Czechia some flowers. They upset the U.S. in the summer. They've 
they've got a good, really good team right now uh, in comparison to any team that they've brought to this tournament before. They've got a really good goaltender. So definitely some love there. But after that game versus Czechia, no. Nobody was leaving early. Everybody was into every single goal uh, that was that was scored. My family's here actually right now. My mom, my dad, and my sister. And I asked them after, like, were you guys still dancing when they got 10? My sister was like, yeah, I was, I was up on my feet. It's electric. It's hard not to get into the sea shanty. It's true. It's very true. The sea shanty is, uh, is, is catchy and you get your clapping, you get your feet moving, your head's bobbing. You know how it is. Yeah. Uh, JT, it's, it's been a while since you've been on the show, so I don't know if you remember how this game goes. But after, ga- oh. after these games, we do stay <laughs> and go. You were in the building last night. You're covering the team. I want to do a stay or go segment, Canadian World Junior Edition. So what's something you want to see stay from the Canadians going forward and something you want to see go? I, I can't say anything other than the Connor. Bedard show like it was it was he was great in the first game I, I didn't think he was bad at all I know people were kind of crying about the Michigan attempts that are I don't know who shouldn't even get into but I, I just want to see him continue to create every time he's on the ice guys I, I don't know if I've ever seen I hate hyping up like 10th graders or 11th graders or whatever grade he's in right now as the next one like we're hearing Gretzky get dropped I, I was listening to you guys at the start I, I heard Craig Button on the morning show today say that the last time he saw somebody so dominant at this tournament was Wayne Gretzky. But it's the only thing I can compare it to. Every time he's on the ice, he does something special. Even if nothing comes from it, he's always creating out there. He has this really deceptive eye line where he's looking one way and passing the other. He's so unpredictable. So I would like to continue to have front row seats for this incredible Connor Bedard show. And, and just the connectivity was a lot better yesterday. It was almost like in that first game versus Czechia, their passes were going through one another. They were trying to do everything kind of individually. They were really trying to make this crowd pop in Halifax. I don't blame them. It's easy to get ahead of yourself. You're just kids, and that kind of is what it is. But just continuing to play that team game and and getting to watch the Connor Bedard show. And in terms of goes, um, uh, goaltending is still a little bit questionable. So, so maybe the way to say the go is, questions in the net. They've got two goaltenders and uh, who both of them faced a lot of criticism after that first game versus Czechia and he probably wanted both of those goals back yesterday. He probably could have had that shutout. So, so I will say it's pretty difficult to stay engaged when uh, how many how many shots on net did Jeremy have yesterday? Like eight or nine? Like it's pretty hard to stay engaged back there when that's the case. And that last goal was kind of a rip. The one at the very end from the point. So I understand them both going in, but at the same time, if, if you're going to win a tournament like this, you've you got to get a couple saves that you're probably not supposed to get during a game. So maybe just go to all the noise and questions around goaltending. It's great to have a really solid, maybe even shutout performance day against this really, really weak. No, not maybe even. A shutout today is, feels like a slam dunk. Austria is, is really terrible. It, it, it probably should should occur. Yeah. Think. Do, do you think the Michigan is gone from the tournament? Is that a go for Team Canada? Do you think okay. they are just totally abandoning trying the Michigan based on all the hoopla from Game 1? Well, I personally would be traumatized. Like, I'm thinking of it from my own personal perspective, and if I was any of those guys, I'd, like, probably a little be a little bit traumatized by uh, that first game and all the narratives that were flying around in regards to Michigan. I don't know. I think, like, if any one of those attempts would have worked, we wouldn't even be talking about it right now. I, I have a hard time. Eh. 
I don't know. I think I have a hard time picturing anybody trying it again this tournament. I was also kind of watching during warm-ups yesterday, and I noticed that they dialed a lot of stuff back. Like, first game, there was a puck going into the crowd every second. Guys were taking selfies with fans. And, like, I think there was definitely a conversation, um, something along the lines of, okay, let's dial it in and let's only think about hockey this game. Let's play a really blue-collar game and just just focus on ourselves and, and not get lost in this amazing crowd and this amazing tournament and this amazing atmosphere that we have. Uh, let's just focus on the game. And I, I can probably see that extending to, and, and by the way, boys, let's just uh, let's just score in the old-fashioned way for today and then, and then we'll go from there. I, I think after yesterday's game, they, they probably feel a lot better. I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw it attempted at some point. I was going to say, I, the whole Michigan conversation is crazy to me. Like, that that was my yeah. go where it was like, I just don't want to hear people say, like, that's the reason they lost anymore. And it's like, they're, they're trying to score goals at the end of the day. Like, I get it. It's a fancy way of scoring a goal. Sure. But it's one of those things where it's like they're still trying to score goals. And I get dialing in and, like, I don't know. Their skilled plays are what make them incredible. And, like, if you're asking them to kind of tone tone down the skilled plays, then it's just like, then what are we doing here? I, I, I also think that there's a, a fine line in which, like, okay, we can't Michigan our way to the finals, but that also doesn't mean that we just can't try things that I'll are outlandish. I will say this, though, Luke and JT. Like, you know, we've watched a lot of hockey this year, and, and, and Julie, you and I have watched pretty well every single Leaf game. How many Michigan attempts have we seen from the Toronto Maple Leafs this year? Yeah, and, and there was one, definitely maybe? an element of it. I don't know. I feel like Austin tries it all the time and none of us notice. And he's like, God damn, those kids that can all do it except <laughs> I can. I feel like he's like, Trevor Zegers, Connor Bedard, and Ken Johnson. Um, oh, God, they've got music in the Is it going really loud? Is it okay? <laughs> oh, it's fine. Did someone okay, just score? No, no, they, they're just the doors are open now, so they've got T Swift bumping. Wow, it's like they knew I was coming. Yeah, really. Jeez. Love that. Absolutely. Um, I don't know, guys. I, I'm, I, I think that somebody will try it again. It is crazy, and I think the timing was the thing that bothered a lot of people as well. Like they weren't. It's not like they were dusting them in the game or anything. They hadn't gotten a goal yet, so I think the timing bothered a lot of people. Uh, maybe even more so than the move itself. Does that make sense? I yeah, so. I, I think it does. I just two in like a five minute span seems slightly excessive. That that's that's yeah, all I was yeah. trying to say. That's it's like fair. we've that's seen. Fair. Yeah, I mean, but what I, the thing about it though is that it was somewhat in the flow of the game. Um, but yeah. as we, you know, we saw last night they could score eleven goals just playing north south and not being you know as fancy as they had to be, and they're still able to put pucks in the back of the net. So. We'll see what they do tonight. Uh, like you said, they've they've got a bit of an easier easier opponent in uh, in Austria tonight. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, in conversation with Julia Tashery, uh, JT, gotta know, have you had a chance to get a donair yet? Oh, okay. I haven't had a donair yet. They actually have a good spot at the rink, apparently, that I, I might dabble into at some point today. Uh, however, I did go to Pizza Corner and it slapped. And yesterday, I went to this incredible seafood place called Evans. I had lobster poutine. It was one of the most insane things I've ever eaten. It had this kind of, it was like a creamy gravy happening on it with pieces of lobster and mozzarella. And it was, oh, guys, it was insane. Sorry to, uh, sorry to, 
say it, but it was like the most insane thing I've ever seen. Honestly, we're going to need, like, you're going to have to put together a power ranking. And when you get back and when we're finally on a show together, which feels like it's been like two years since I we've know. been on the show together, uh, you're going to have to give me a nice little power ranking of, of your feasts that you've had out there. Because there's some okay. good eating, some good eating out on the East Coast. Yeah, I do not uh, mess around when it comes to good eating on the East oh, Coast. Oh, like, I know I've you don't. <laughs> I know you don't. <laughs> Julia, appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the game tonight, and uh, well, well, we'll chat soon. Okay, I miss you guys. All right, miss you too. There she goes, Julia Tashari uh, of Leafs Lunch and uh, covering the World Junior Championships down in uh, down in Halifax. I'm super jealous because I am a big-time Donair guy. Like, my mother's from the East Coast, so I've always been a Donair person just because every time I go down there, that's, like, the main thing that we have to get, Donair and uh, some specific pizzas that we have to get. Are you a Donair guy, though? Like, have you had a traditional Halifax Donair? I have not had a traditional Halifax Donair, but oh. when I was there for the uh, for the Touchdown Atlantic game, had the yeah. best mussels and seafood I've ever had. Oh, we'll yeah. say, though, I don't like the idea of lobster poutine. It's not, that's not me. No, not no. you, eh? Not at I, all. It's it, Poutine's interesting because people try and do so many things with it, but, like, honestly, fries, gravies, and curds is, is a pretty elite combo as is. Like, you don't have to make it all special, you know what I mean? But, you know, I, I thought the same thing when I, I saw, like, lobster mac and cheese. I was like, oh, mac and cheese is terrific as is. Why do you have to add lobster into it? And then I tried it, and I was like, oh, that's why, because it is amazing. So I would imagine that lobster poutine is probably pretty good as well. I'd give it a go. I'll tell you that. I would definitely give that a go. Uh, all right. On the other side, we'll get back into some Leafs talk. we we got to get more into this fining situation with uh, with Nick Alberga, host of Leafs Morning Take uh, of the Leafs Nation. He's He probably has some strong opinions on that as well, and, and I know that you and I do. So we'll, we'll chat about that. We'll get into some, uh, some more of what happened last night at the World Junior Championships. And then we'll help tee up the game tonight, Leafs and Yotes at 9 o'clock down at Mullet Arena. Craig Morgan, um, Yotes. Uh, beat writer will join us. I'm Mike DiStefano with Luca Celebre of Bar Down. You listen to TSN 1050. Least questions will get you out of your car lease today. It's as easy as pie, a piece of cake, avoid penalties and early termination fees. Visit leasebusters.com. Nick Alberga, host of Leafs Morning Take for the Leafs Nation, joins Luca Celebre and I now on the line. Nick, what's going on, pal? Oh, he's not there. Sorry about that. Uh, he'll be back. He'll be with us in, in just a moment here, actually. Um, Luca, did you happen to catch what happened last night in the Detroit game? I did. The, the gritty has infiltrated the NHL now. It took long enough. So, first and foremost, unbelievable comeback. Yeah. That they made. Like, they were down 4 nothing to Pittsburgh after the first period. Came all the way back and won the game. And then the game-winning goal, the fifth goal, uh, was it Wallman? Yeah, Wallman, yep. the player. It's the gritty. It's like his second goal in the NHL. And the guy hits the gritty. That's <laughs> just outstanding stuff. It, it really, really is. And I'm for it. I really am here for it for the gritty. Uh, entering the National Hockey League. My question to you is, Luca, do you think we'll see this at the World Junior Championships? Will we see somebody 
from Team Canada or Team USA hit the gritty? I think there's a good chance of it. It's got to be the right moment, obviously. But, I mean, remember when, like, Zach Wierenski and um, there was another Team USA guy. When the dab was big, they both hit the dab at the World Juniors, and that was that was the trendy celebration. So um, I could see someone doing it. We asked a bunch of Canada players as well um, who would be most likely to, and some said Fantilli, some said Clark, some said Othman. So um, there's there's a chance. Yeah, I could see Fantilli doing it if he scores at some point here. I, I could see Fantilli doing it. I wonder uh, I wonder if, if the next guest on the program has ever hit the gritty in some sort of beer league game. He, he's, he, I feel like he would. Like That just seems like something <laughs> that our next guest, Nick Alberga, would do. Host of Leafs Morning Take for the Leafs Nation Network. Uh, Nick, have you hit the gritty in a beer league game? Al's brother, that's a negative. Uh, to be what? quite honest, I had no clue what a gritty was. I thought it was a mascot of the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, I, I'm joking. in tech with my I'm in tech with my dance moves. I won't lie, but uh, yeah, I had no clue what the gritty was. Nick, how old are you? You're like my age, are you not? <laughs> Thirty-three. What do you mean you don't know what a gritty is? Do you not go on the internet? You you live on Twitter. The gritty was born on Twitter, TikTok, yeah. all that stuff. I guess, but I mute a lot of stuff on Twitter. Like, I'm very formulated in what crosses my screen on Twitter. It's mostly NHL stuff, so I can't say I've seen a lot of it. Like, I, I'm probably in the minority. I know I'm in the minority on this, because I know a lot of people were big fans of that celebration by noted sniper Jake Wallman. But I yeah. I just couldn't help but chuckle, guys, that Sidney Crosby, the legend, was a meter away. You think, you think Crosby would ever hit a gritty after scoring a <laughs> goal in the NHL? I don't think no. so. I would Not love to see it, though. <laughs> Not a chance. I, I I think like if there's a player who who would do it, didn't actually when Marner broke the record, didn't he hit the gritty in the locker room? He did. And I after believe... he got the water shower, he hit the gritty. He I wonder if he bring did. it onto the ice. I I feel like Marner would do it. I think so too. Um, I would just add that maybe it's a sign of my age because I'm 33. Like I I guess I'm old school in the mentality. Like act like you scored it before. But having said that, I want personality in this game. So. I'm definitely giving it a pass. I just sort of chuckled that the way it transpired last night, it was 4 nothing Pittsburgh. Detroit comes back, and then Wallman rips that out. Like, I, I think for sure Marner would, would do that. And I just, every day that goes by, I'm trying to come to grips with the fact that it's 2022. It's no longer 2002. So I accept it, guys. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. Maybe we'll we can see Austin Matthews hit a gritty tonight in his hometown, mm-hmm. in his home state, at least uh, in Arizona, when the Leafs take on the Coyotes. We're chat with Nick Alberga, host of Leafs Morning Take. Um, so Morgan Riley expected to make his return tonight. Uh, what what uh, expectations do you have for him in uh, in this game in his first game back off that injury? So obviously this is a big story, Mike, and the fact more so that you look at the body of work in 15 games without Morgan Riley in the lineup, they go 12-2-1. I think his presence will be shown and boosted with the power play, right? I, I did some digging with the numbers, 8 for 47 in 15 games since Riley went down, which is obviously a couple percentage points uh, lower than they usually are. And we've seen as of late, especially with Sandine as the lineup, they've been going with that 5 quarter unit. And again, it's, it's, it's been given an extensive look, but I just think there's way too many cons and pros when you put five forwards on the ice on a power play. Uh, I don't mind trying it from time to time, but 
I think at the very least, Riley will boost that power play. I think Sheldon Keefe and company deserve a lot of credit for really not having skipped a beat. I mentioned the record, 12-2-1 in 15 games. But I think from a leadership standpoint, this is obviously big. And also from a personnel standpoint, to have your number one defenseman back in the lineup. So I'm looking forward to that. And I think it really helps the power play out. Yeah, it definitely helps the power play out. I, but we we were talking about it earlier in the show. It looks like, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong if, if this isn't the case, but it looks like they're actually remaining with that five-forward unit. Do you, if, if that's the case, do you find it odd that they're not easing him just right back into his old role, or do you think that's smart with given the injury and given uh, him just playing his first game back? It's fascinating, but I will say, like, now is the time for experimentation, Luca. I think the fact that this team has lost three games in regulation since November 1st speaks for itself. And, and that's the amazing part for me is that their power play has been pretty much pedestrian for, like, the last six weeks, and it, it hasn't mattered, right? Like, they've scored so well at 5-on-5. Five five. They've come up with timely goals. They've responded accordingly. The offense seems to be back more so from what it was in the first six weeks of the season. So I think they'll continue to give it a look, but I wouldn't be shocked if we see some different looks. Like that's the one thing we've seen from Sheldon Keith throughout this season is like one minute he's rolling with a trio, the next he's rolling with a different trio. So I wouldn't put that much stock in it. Um, I- I'm sure we'll see both sides, but when you have Morgan Riley, somebody who's ran that power play for, for several years now, ready and able, I think you give it a look. But along those lines, I don't mind – you know, maybe if, if Riley's the first guy to take the person off, you know, it's probably going to be a Michael Bunting off, off PP1 in terms of a line change, right? So I, I think you have a couple different looks, and I just think it makes much more difficult, difficult to game plan uh, from the opposition standpoint. It's so funny how different this team is uh, today than they were the last time that these two teams collided at Scotiabank Arena. I mean, there was the the threat of teams that were – basically going to be in the Badar Bowl and whether or not Toronto would be able to win a single game off of those squads because of, well, you know, the last four or five years and how that's gone. They are playing poor defensively. They weren't scoring at five on five. And the big boys weren't going, you know, sitting there thinking, what's going on with, with Austin Matthews? What's going on with, with Mitch Marner? And, and now you fast forward to today. And a lot of those concerns that were in Toronto the first few weeks of the season no longer there. Like you said, they're, they're scoring at will at five-on-five. Five. They're playing excellent defensively of late. They're getting terrific goaltending. And you've got the big boys who are obviously now contributing and helping uh, this team win. I mean, do you feel like the team has exercised those demons of late where they tend to play down to their opponents like we've seen over the last couple of years? Because you look at the last few games that they've played those bottom and teams, you know, the Kings, the Ducks, the Flyers, like they've been able to win those games and pretty well win them handily as well. Like, do you feel more comfortable with Toronto's mindset now when they play lesser opponents than you did, say, two and a half months ago, the last time that Toronto played uh, played the Coyotes? Well, it's it's definitely a developing story. I will say that I still have PTSD from that loss on October seventeenth. How I bring it up once a week on the show with Jay Rosa, Leafs Morning Take, where I just I could not get over that game. If you recall, Leafs literally didn't play for fifty five minutes and then woke up at the end, yeah. but it was too little, too late. Like it, it was so ugly. I remember watching that game. I'm like, I don't know how I'll be able to stomach eighty two games of this. And granted, everything shifted once November hit. Um, I mean, to answer your question. You never say never with this team. Uh, you know, obviously they've been in an impeccable role. I think that's the one thing I have noticed to your point is that regardless of the opponent, it could be Philadelphia, it could be Colorado, who's coming up on Saturday night 
at Ball Arena. Their game plan, their mentality hasn't changed. Like To me, that's been the biggest difference from October are the starts. If you remember, every game they were down one nothing or 2 nothing or yeah. surrender a goal in the first five minutes of the game, and it, that, that's really, really changed. Uh, and then I think on top of that, um, the turnovers ha- have stopped too. Like, you know, that was my major takeaway from October is the pizzas, uh, you know, just uh, up the middle. Like, it was scary watching this team, and it really is night and day, and I think they deserve a lot of credit for, regardless of the opponent, they have been ready to play. And I'm just really, really curious to see how they come out tonight because Arizona has really, really surprised me, um, <clears throat> excuse me, in terms of the way they played this season. Like, I expected them to be a rollover, a team that, competed for Connor Bedard and they've gone about their business and they beat some excellent teams never mind the Maple Leafs it's crazy that they're uh, they're kind of far out of the Connor Bedard sweepstakes which is which is wild mm-hmm. Chicago's just doing an excellent job we're in conversation with Nick Alberga host of the Leafs morning take for the Leafs nation we talked about the blue line before there are still some injuries and waiting for a couple of key guys to get back um, but players have stepped up Connor Timmons most notably I think has turned a lot of heads when fully healthy what do you think this Leafs blue line looks like it's fascinating, right? Like, I, I think if you were to pull me a month ago, I'm telling you, hey, they need at least one defenseman. I think my stance has changed just a tad. And let's not forget Connor Timmons. I hope he gets his video tribute tonight. I think he played, what, nine <laughs> games as a member of the Coyotes? But <laughs> He'll he, get two he, in a row. <laughs> yeah, like exactly. Like, jokes aside, I think exactly. Colorado's coming up, as you know, being the Avs fan on Saturday. Um, I think it's been an exceptional development that you sort of take a flyer on a guy who had the pedigree earlier on in his career, of course, played for the World Junior Team, and I think he's been really, really steady. So to answer your question, once Sandine comes back, I think the likeliest scenario is that Timmons leaves the lineup, but at the very least, I think it puts pressure on everybody in the top six that, hey, we have a guy who's been playing above his weight and has been really, really steady and can take your job at, at any moment, and I think you can never have enough depth when it comes to a blue line, whether it's the regular season or certainly in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So at the very least, I think it's a welcome development. But I think once everybody gets healthy, Riley coming back, Sandine coming back, I think in the next couple games, I think it's more likely than not that Timmons will be the odd man out. But um, I think you can never have enough depth. So I'm sure we'll, we'll see him a ton down the stretch here. Uh, last one for you here, Nick. Kelly uh, Armcrook. Five points his last three games since returning from his injury. I mean, have have you liked what you've seen out of him recently enough to to think that he could be the answer to that second line left wing role, or would you still rather see an upgrade there? You have to see an upgrade, right? Like I think in a perfect world, he's a third line player. He's a depth scorer. He's the guy who's going to score you that goal you need it most in the Stanley Cup playoffs. At least you hope, right? I think if you have long-term expectations for Kelly Yarncroke to stick with Tavares and Marner, you have other things coming. I think it's quite clear they have the five guys. Bunting has been much better the last six weeks, guys. I think cemented his spot, certainly again in the top six. And if I'm Kyle Dubas, I'm going out there and I'm trying to find a way to get that winger. Um, I don't know if it's going to be O'Reilly. I don't know if it's going to be Horvat. I'm not sure Patrick Kane wants to play in this market. Maybe things have changed. Who knows? Um, even Max Domi's name comes to mind. But that's the one position I think this team could use an upgrade is somebody to play in that top six, whether it's, it's with Nylander or Tavares or Marner or Matthews. Just another threat, right? Because I think in a perfect world, again, Callie Arncoke is better suited and served for the third line more in a shutdown role with the ability to spring up offensively from time to time. You can never have enough offense in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I think that's the biggest misconception with this Leafs team is that 
Everybody talks about defense come playoff time, but we always forget the well-run stride offensively. I don't think you can have enough offensive weapons. So I'd go after a, a winger to play with Tavares and Marner there in the second line. I appreciate you taking the time to join us. As always, Nick, uh, we'll chat again uh, down the road. Enjoy the game tonight, and we'll uh, yeah, we'll chat again soon. Thanks, guys. Happy New Year. Take care. You as well. There he goes. Nick Alberga, host of the Leafs Morning Take for the Leafs Nation. Yeah, I mean, I, I like what Yarncroft has done um, the last couple of games. You know, probably coming off his best game as a Maple Leaf, I would say. Well, he had three-point performance the other night against St. Louis and, you know, f- scored a goal himself, but also did all the work on the Kerfoot goal shorthanded as well. So he started to buy in. And remember when he got injured, um, he had said, like, this had been a persistent thing all season. So he was never fully healthy to start the year. And now since coming back from that injury, healing and returning five points in three games, that's that's not bad. I, I would expect for him to get a run. Is he the answer? I don't know. Probably not to uh, to Nick's point. Like, you probably want someone who's a little bit more solidified as a finisher, as a scorer. Um but, I mean, he's he's come back and he's played well in that role, in that spot. I think he deserves a, at least a look and a chance to uh, prove that he could do it. If Dennis Mulligan got a look with way less production, <laughs> there is no reason why Cali Yarncrow shouldn't. There, Dude, that, he, it's as simple as that. <laughs> he's been in Toronto for, or he's been in Colorado for what? three games and you've already soured on on Dennis Mulligan as an app? No, no, I haven't soured on him. It's more <laughs> just a more a comparison where it's like I if know. if you're going to give him a look on the second line, like there is no reason why you shouldn't be giving Yarn Crow a look either. Yeah, and speaking of Dennis Mulligan, uh, his return, Dryden Hunt will be checking into the lineup tonight as well. Ooh. We'll chat about that uh, maybe on the other side or in the 1 o'clock hour ahead of uh, Craig Morgan, who's going to join us to help tee up tonight's game against the Arizona Coyotes, uh, a beat reporter for the Yotes. So that's coming up on today's show. We also have our New Year's resolutions for the Maple Leafs as part of our Thursday three-pack, so I'm excited to get into that as well. I'm Mike DiStefano with Luca Gillespie from Bar Down. You'll listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. This is Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. There once was a team called the Maple Leafs. The season oh was great and full of glee. They scored a bunch of goals and broke This was, this, this brings back memories, painful memories, to be quite honest with you. A, my mentions after singing this song, it just blew up. My mentions blew up. And, uh... Unfortunately, it did not will the Leafs to a championship, which is what we wanted to happen here. But what it did do, Luca, I'm Mike DiStefano, by the way, I was in Leafs Lunch with Luca Gillespie a far down. Uh, at Leafs Lunch is brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards, bailed by Petro Canada, the perfect gift for any occasion. So what that song did do, Luca, is it put me in the running for a very prestigious award. Um, I found out this morning that I was nominated for uh, was it best performance by a TSM personality at uh, the 1050s on First Up. Wow. Yes, that performance got me nominated for a very historic award with, you know, the likes of, of um, you know, Screen Award winner, multi-Screen Award winner James Duffy is also involved in this award. Uh, Josh, who, who else? Producer Josh, who else is um, you know, nominated with me. The vote's up right now on TSN 
1050 or up on uh, on the first up account by the way so if you feel like the sea shanty should win go ahead and vote and and, and you know that'd be great if i could win this award because I, I need something for the resume that's for sure yeah, Mike, you're in some incredible company. James Duthie, Carlo Koliakovo, and Josh Lewenberg also on those rankings. It's on the at first up 1050 Twitter account. What Go cast your votes there. You're currently up huge 57% to Al's brother's performance. Whoa. Who's, who's next? Who's behind me? James Duthie at 22%. Oh, my goodness. Carlo Koliakovo at 15%. <laughs> and Josh Lewenberg at 6%. So you got this in the bag, buddy. away with it right now. Hey, what, what the hell's Josh Lewenberg? Like, what performance <laughs> did he put on? What did a, I miss? It was a marriage. Uh, I'm good. It was good. Um, on the first up show, they asked how, how it went. He said, oh, it was good. It so went well. By- so when he was asked about his honeymoon, he gave a three-word answer, and that was considered uh, the a top performance. <laughs> a top performer. Oh my! So I, I feel 6% like percent right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that makes sense. So I, I mean, still, if I could beat James Duthie, I mean that guy, he's been performing a lot, a lot of performances that that guy's put on over the course of the year. I mean, he had the World Juniors. You know, he's got. Uh, great cup action that he's always a part of, Super Bowl action. I mean, the dude was in Qatar riding camels. He put in a lot of good performances, but uh, apparently the, the people are the people are speaking. And the sea shanty, I guess, is uh, is is what they, they they want. I don't know. Someone asked me recently, said, "Are you gonna you're gonna have to do another sea shanty this year if they make the playoffs?" And I don't know because it didn't work last year. Right, like if they would have won a round, then of course I would have had to make a new, whole new one for the second round. That would have that that's that would have been it for the rest of my life. I might have had to do a brand new sea shanty with the new characters and you know everything involved. But because they lost last year and it didn't work, I don't know if I could do another one. Maybe a heave away spinoff. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe here. something something like the heave away if they win. If they win gold, which I fully expect them to, especially based on last night's performance, if they win gold, maybe we can adopt some sort of heave away uh, shanty type of thing. That's possible. You'll get double the votes for that. (laughs) If they win. Again, they they got to win, though. They have to. (laughs) I say you just do it. Just do it. Who cares? We'll see. Speaking of win, I got I got my pick tonight on uh, on overdrive, and this line is just moving rapidly. I, I went to bed last night, so the Thursday nighter we've got uh, we've got the Titans and the Cowboys. Nobody's playing in this game, Luca. And, and I know some people on least lunch don't care about this game, but like legitimately, Tony Pollard out, uh, the Titans running back Derrick Henry out. No Tannehill. Malik Willis now not playing. And Josh Dobbs is going to start the game. Josh Dobbs is your starting quarterback tonight. And the line has moved from 10.5 minus 10.5 for the Cowboys to minus 13.5. So if I want to take the Cowboys, i got to be – got to take by two touchdowns. Are they going to win by two touchdowns? And at this point, I don't know where I'm going. Um, that's going to be something I – right when this show's over, three hours straight of pure research – to figure out if I'm willing to roll with the the Cowboys in a two touchdown spread, that's tough. That's so tough. I don't know. That's a tough one. I don't know where Lots. you go. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But uh, I also, when it comes to spreads, I've got some stuff to figure out for the Maple Leafs because we get the school degeneracy that'll 
about an hour or so, we'll we'll get that. I got a couple of really nice prop bets actually that I like, and I've been I've been doing pretty well. I'm like sixty six percent or seventy percent roughly actually in the last uh, last little bit. So I've been I've been making some correct picks in the hockey world. Hopefully, I can parlay that into some football picks as uh, Team Aldog and Team Luke Bryant collide over on on overdrive. We'll get back into Leafs talk on the other side. Uh, we'll tee up the game tonight. Leafs and Yotes will be joined by Craig Morgan, beat reporter for the Arizona Coyotes. He's coming up next here on Leafs Lunch.